$2 late fee, you have one new message. Hey, Zach and Dustin, this is Johnny, Johnny you, not Johnny who, and I just want to say, how about you? Stream being Rick James looking at fool. Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats! You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them. All in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. It's Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Audiences are lining up to see it. The critics are giving it glowing reviews, comparing it to Raiders of the Lost Ark for fast-moving action and fun. Starring Vanity and Timeock, plus DeBarge performing their hit single, Rhythm of the Night, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Directed by Michael Schultz, rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. Dustin, we're talking about The Last Dragon today. We have a very special guest on our show, and we'll get to that in just a second. But the question is, is The Last Dragon one of your favorite movies of all the times? Oh, uh, the answer the answer to your question is yes, absolutely. The Last Dragon is hands down uh, top 10. It's top 10. I wouldn't order it in there, but it's in there for okay. sure. Okay, and so my yep. follow-up is, do you have the glow? <clears throat> um, only, I've gotten the glow one time, and it was in 2015, uh, October. But I haven't, haven't gotten it back since then. <laughs> what was her name? Um, her name was Zach. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Craig, were, were you going to ask that too? No, he was supposed <laughs> to ask the question, who's the master? Well, yes. Well, I was, I, gosh, I was getting there. Okay, okay, hold on. Everybody, we are covering The Last Dragon today. We're so stoked about it. Craig Sutton is here. Craig is, he's the foremost expert probably on The Last Dragon. He has a website called thelastdragontribute.com, also on Instagram as well. Um, that's where we kind of met. That's where we met for the first time. But Craig, thank you for joining us to talk about one of the greatest martial art movies of all the time. Yeah, thank you guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Like you guys are a legendary 80s uh, knowledge folks. I really appreciate being a part of your world today. It's great. Right on, man. The feeling is mutual when it comes to The Last Dragon because you, you've got a lot of, what do you call that? Uh, fires burning when it comes to The Last Dragon and the future mm -hmm. of The Last Dragon. And we want to definitely talk to you about that. But I think I, I followed your page. We started when we first came out with $2 late fee, we started following your page and Dustin, I got Dustin, a, a last dragon t-shirt uh, from preserve dragons who makes this cool show enough. Bruce Leroy kind of battle shirt. And I guess in the back of my mind, I was always like, when are we going to cover last dragon? And 2024 came up. 
And I think Dustin and I both were like, it's the year of the dragon, the Lunar New Year, year of the dragon. Let's cover Last Dragon for Martial Art Madness in 2024. And here we are. Great idea. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> it is about time. It's yeah. a great idea. It's a great story. But I should say, <laughs> you know, it's not that we haven't talked about it a little bit. I mean, we, we've talked about like martial arts. Um, you know, we, we've, we've always, we've always mentioned the last dragon in some capacity. However, we've not gone, we've not gone deep. Um, we've not no. discussed, you know, all the things that make this movie so incredibly unique and different than any other martial arts movie out there. Cause really you can, you know, you can't on paper, this movie doesn't make a lot of, um, a lot of sense. No, not really. No. <laughs> Motown um, martial arts together. Right. right. <laughs> Motown, martial arts, uh, you know, it's it's like the origins of Motown are in Detroit. This is a story that takes place primarily in Harlem, uh, in New York. Uh, you've got these amazing cast of characters. You've got some of the best um, costumes, costume design, probably anywhere. I mean, and I'm I'm not even exaggerating because... You know, I was watching this with my wife and she was like, I would, I would love to make what Shonuff is wearing in every scene into a dress and wear that now. And I'm like, yeah. absolutely. Because it, it's, it's not just like confined to the eighties. And if you believe like, oh, eighties fashion's coming back in a big way, this movie could be the, the, the way to do that. Oh, wow. I feel like, <laughs> you know, with the gigantic shoulder pads and the, you know, uh, just, yeah, it's just like, everything they're about like it. urban samurais. Like it was it's just a combination of so many things. There's Japanese culture in there, there's Chinese culture, there's urban black culture, there's 80s, just dripping with 80s. It's yeah. it's a lot of fun. And then, but you've got a real good story in there too. It's not just your 80s, you know, cheese and hair grease and all that. It's it's right. a really good, like fun, like heartwarming and inspirational story. And, you know, like a lot of the other movies, you guys, the martial arts movies, you guys talk about it inspires people to get, it has inspired people to get into martial arts. And, you know, I meet people constantly that are like, yeah, this is why I got the same, same way that, you know, the karate kid and blood sport and those movies did it for some folks. This movie did it for many others. Right. Um, it's, It's just, yeah, it's, I just say it's like as a kid growing up, liking, already liking martial arts movies, liking Star Wars, you know, liking Michael Jackson. It was like, mix all those things together and what do you get, you know? You're right. It's like the end is like, the glow is like lightsabers. Like, you know? It is. It really is. It really is. And both of you are right. There's there's nothing, I think, that's ever come out since then that has ever been quite like it. And um, I have a confession to make. I watched it uh, yesterday for the first time in probably 20 years. Oh, God, oh really? Say first time ever. Yeah. So tell us, how did, so how did it hold up for you? I was thoroughly... Okay, first of all, this movie is almost two hours long. It's like an hour and 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. But by the time it was over, I didn't realize it had been two, almost two hours. I felt like it was a 90-minute movie. It went, The pacing is so good. The vignettes, because they, they feel like vignettes at times throughout this film, like certain sequences moved so quickly and and there's and the acting is on point um the soundtrack which obviously we'll talk about at the end of the show is phenomenal and i was like oh i'm so glad 
that I still love this movie as much as I did when I was a kid. <laughs> right. It's one of those movies. And that's what I want to ask you is as guys who watch know the eighties so well, and then also because you guys rewatch these films, like I feel when you compare to other movies that were made at the time, like this movie really holds up. I feel much better than many of those, like in terms of quality and, you know, it came across as very cheesy, but if you look at like, look at, and I love these movies, don't get me wrong. Like yeah. a no retreat, no surrender. Like right. the quality between this and that, it's it, even even like Bloodsport is high quality, but there's still things to it where it's like it's more cheesy than this, right? Like for the eighties, like, and that was even three years later, right? So, I, you know, I could come up with a you know ten other examples, but you know what I'm saying? No, those are two perfect examples uh, because I feel like both of those were fairly lower budgets. And the quality it lacked in certain. We've discussed both movies, and we love both movies, yeah. obviously. But we've also co- we've also called out the flaws with both films. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's an acting performance or whether it's a continuity performance or continuity issue, uh, this one doesn't have that. This yeah. one is. I mean, like, there's always going to be here and there something, but for a, that time as well, it's yeah, it's pretty fairly clean there's i mean we can get into details you can be critical of so many things with any film but i mean really it's it's pretty um it's pretty impressive for the for the time it came out um it really is and i think you know i i feel like no retreat no surrender even when that came out it was pretty clear like this is kind of cheesy like i remember watching it and being like this is hilarious for the wrong you know for the wrong reason like it's like this is a bad it's right. a bad movie. You know what right. I mean? It's right. it's what we call a masterpiece because it's it's, it's hilarious. It's bad. Yeah. It's become a cult classic. Right. And it, But it's one of those movies at the time. I'm like, I didn't, as a kid watching, I'm like, this is amazing. And I watch it now. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> right. What is happening? Right now? I, I mean, look, I, I think I love it. I think I love No Retreat, No Surrender more now than I did back then. Um for the cheese quality and same same with Jim Cotta. That's another one. Too, oh, I was where... going to say that too. Like, Oh my gosh, the stuff that happens in that movie. Right. There's yeah. a pommel horse in the middle of like, There's a pommel horse. Afghanistan or wherever they are. <laughs> oh my God. And the no. costumes like, Oh, there's a guy with like some hang- eye just hanging out. Like just. Like, nope. Guy with no pants on for some odd reason or that he's wearing That's a smock, insane. but the back is cut out. Yeah. Um, I'm also kind of tripping on the fact that this is like our fourth or fifth 1985 movie we've covered in a row oh, on our show. And so good, we yeah. had we set out no intention ahead of time when we plan these episodes out and we discuss, you know, what are we going to cover in this month? We we don't say we're going to cover all the movies from 84 or this mm-hmm. or that. We literally just started picking movies. When did that come out? 85. When did this come out? 85. Rocky Four. 85. Tough yeah. Turf, 85. Weird Science, 85. And now The Last Dragon, 85. And when we get to the fun facts, that's even more mind-boggling to me because this movie came out in March of 85. This episode is dropping. It's ce- We're celebrating martial art madness all month long on $2 late fee. And we're kicking off with The Last Dragon with you, Craig. Awesome. And uh, I'm just so stoked about the whole thing. I mean, I was so happy to watch it again. And pick up things, pick up surprise actors that I for, didn't know were in the movie. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not combing IMDb. We don't do that on our show, really. Yeah. And so what, what certain people will talk about when they popped up, I'm like, whoa, wait, is this his first yeah. movie? 
Yeah. Yeah. Where you're like, that's that voice sounds very familiar. Oh, <laughs> I know why. Um, before we kind of get into it all, though, Craig, I, 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 I'm, I know you've talked about this, um, but what was the sort of impetus for you starting, uh, you know, an entire tribute mm-hmm. to this movie, um, you know, and and how long has how long has that been going on? Yeah. So when I was in university, so we're talking 1996 in a class, Introduction to the Internet. This was a new thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. We had to yeah. build a website was the big project. So I built a web page that was like uh, it was there was no MySpace, but it literally was like a MySpace. I was the only one who did this too. everybody else picked the topic, you know, butterflies or whatever. Right? So I, I picked them like, let me just do something that's fun for me. So I made like 10 different pages and each page was a different aspect of something I really liked. So there'd be something about football. There was something about movies. And then I said, you know what? This one movie really stands out to me. And so I I gave The Last Dragon its own page, right? So, um, and from that, I noticed later on when I installed like analytics and because I got into internet marketing and I put uh, analytics code on it, like Google Analytics. (laughs) And I was able to see how many people were coming I to the this. site. And I was like, holy, the, the last Dragon page was getting all these hits because I looked around. It was one of the only pages out there that talked about the last Dragon. There were a few others. And but this one, you know, it's it really stood out. So I was like, I've got something here. There's actually people who like this movie, too, because I, honestly, I thought I was the only one who liked it. Like, yeah. I really I didn't know there was such a cult following even then because, right. you know, it just you just didn't hear about it, especially no. where I was in Canada. I was I grew up in Canada, right? So I wasn't in New York or these places where you know you would have had more people into it. So I really didn't know. And then so um, I got more into internet stuff and I built a website for it. And then that just got more and more popular. And then it just grew and grew and grew and 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 it all comes from like telling people, like literally everyone comes to it and be like, I didn't know there was somebody else that loved this movie as much as I do. And that was like, that's always the theme. And oh, and I didn't even mention that my high school, you know, when you make a ambition on your high school graduation page there, yeah. my ambition was to find Leroy, right? And and through all this, end of the story is now I'm friends with Timok, the guy who played Leroy, you know? And it's <laughs> and the other thing was my ambition was find Leroy and like probable, probable destination was producers of, producer of bad kung fu movies, so. Maybe that's in the future still. <laughs> hey, look, you're young and you've got ambition, so it's all out there. It's all possible. Yeah. yeah. Can you just paint the picture for us? Like, what what was on that first website? Like, what did you? What <laughs> oh did, was it just pictures? Did you actually have? This background? is Dustin's love language. This is Dustin's love language, by the way. He loves well, all this stuff. Because let's be clear, the internet had just started, right? So yeah. it's not like you you couldn't really. I mean, you could look up some basic things about the yeah. movie, but anything you'd be putting on would basically primarily be from what you knew watching it, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it was like, what was it? It was um the one pager was just like is literally saying the last dragon is the greatest movie of all time, and this is why. <laughs> and I'm just awesome. like straight up because I was. Where it came from, because one of the pages, I put together a list of my 100 favorite movies ranked. And it's funny. Actually, I've never really thought of this because it's funny because I kept trying to rank The Last Dragon and it kept kind of creeping up and up and up. And I'm like, is it really better than, <laughs> in my mind, better than, yeah. And then I had, it, the like, yes. I, yeah, I had it like, yeah, I had it like 
in the top five, but I couldn't like, I didn't have the heart to put it at number one because I'm like, Oh, people will laugh at me or, you know, it's not a serious movie. And then I was just like, get it. You know what? I like this movie better than anything. I'm putting it number one. And you know what? I love it so much. It's getting its own page and I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> and that's Damn it. Right. I literally at the top of it said, after further review, the last dragon is number one on this list. The greatest movie of all time. That's and awesome. click this link to learn more. <laughs> and then, yeah, I can't even remember what was on it. I talked about the, a little bit of a plot and the characters and the soundtrack and all that kind of stuff. Okay. You are, you're, you are tapping into that vibe, that energy that you just expressed just now. It's how I felt about the warriors and it's how I still feel about the warriors that yeah. I don't care if it's not on people's top, whatever list. It's my favorite movie of all right. time. When I sit down and I watch it from beginning to end, I'm quoting it in my head. If there's a new audience with me that doesn't want me to talk the whole time, I will keep it to myself. But I'm sure you're the same way. Like you're speaking our love language right now. Yeah. Dustin and I, I totally feel you, man. It's it's yeah. what and, it's and that just, feeling. And just if your like audience may not know, but like not only friends with with Time Hawk now, I'm like I host the panels at at cons and you know, I'm working, talking and working with the writer of the story on his next project and like right. friends with a bunch of the cast members, talk to them fairly regularly. You know, it's it's unbelievable. Like if 10 year old me could see this, <laughs> it just doesn't seem possible. And it's like, you know, when you hear those people always say, like, you can you can really do anything like anything is possible. And you always think, yeah, whatever. Nobody. Yeah, but it's it's literally in this case it's true like i dreamt it and it happened like i thought about it and worked at it and next thing you know it's it's happening i mean we're talking it took 20 30 years but it's a process that i think people want things tomorrow right they're like oh right. if i can't if i set a goal i need it now but i mean it takes you got to build you got to work at it right there's obstacles <laughs> No, you got to you got to persevere. Yeah. You got to be committed to it and you have been. Um you yeah, you have created, you've kept alive a film and reopened it to a large audience because I I think Dustin, would you agree that there's probably a large audience of people that have not actually seen The Last Dragon yet. There is. But if they did see yeah. it, they'd love it, you know. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel that way about most things in the world now because we're just saturated with so much content. Right. You know, we have whole entire generations who just watch YouTube and they don't even watch movies, you know? So, uh, yeah, of course, of course there's, there's so many. And then, you know, the connection of Barry Gordy, who's like a legendary producer and the fact that it's, you know, I've always been fascinated. This is Barry Gordy's the last dragon because yeah. Barry Gordy music producer. Right. right. And it seems to me, and Craig, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, because I've never been able to quite, quite fully understand the kind of steps to which he created a movie. But, um, but it seems like he was primarily because music was his wheelhouse. That was sort of where he was keeping his expertise on this. Like, so he's, he's music supervisor, but then through, you know, he didn't have experience producing a movie, so it seemed like he sort of hired the the players. He he got he hired all the pieces. Mm -hmm. um, he had worked on some movies before. He did the um, he was part of the Wiz and um, Mahogany, I think, I, and I think those came out before the Last Dragon. So he had some 
movie experience. But again, how much was he involved? I don't know, right? But he was. I, I'll let you finish. I think you're going to right. say more, but he was very involved in the project with actors and hiring and, and scenes and helping, you know, really setting the tone for the way this film came out. And, you know, and the directors and writers will say sometimes he's a little too involved. But right. what's beautiful is that it all came together. These different visions came together and made something beautiful. And I think they all agree on that. No matter how much heads butt it, they agree that alone they couldn't have done what this came to. Like the director, Michael Schultz, did, did one thing. The writer, Louis Venosa, did another. And Barry Gordy did another direction. It all came together in this this and made this film that, you know, it's home for so many people. Right. Absolutely. Right. When a movie has the, you know, producer's name above it, as this yeah. movie technically does, the title is Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. You know, there are a lot of steps that kind of go into a process like that, even to the point where, you know, it's kind of clear, probably, I don't know if, if Barry Gordy, egomaniac, I have no idea, right? I, I don't know him, but I do know that somewhere along the way, somebody said, okay, we do need your name. We do need your name above the title because it's going to draw in more people. I think right? that might've been his idea though. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure, but I think something you had mentioned before, I'm not going to say it, but it's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you too, that I'm not used to seeing a producer's name above a movie. I'm um, uh, the, the only name that, outside of like maybe Francis Ford Coppola, John Carpenter was the one John that comes Carpenter. to mind. Whenever you see his movie, John Carpenter's They Live, John Carpenter's, you know, uh, Prince of Darkness, et cetera, et cetera. But it probably is a little bit of both of what you mentioned, a little bit of an ego thing, but also he brings attention to it and gravitas to it. It's like, right. okay, we're already doing something very different by attaching Barry Gordy to it and writing the lights. It's like, okay, let's check this out. Well, and, and also let's set the tone because I, Dustin, you, you typically do an awesome job of like kind of describing the, 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 the pitch of this movie and Craig, I'd love for you to do it as, uh, as well. But this movie, even though Vanity was a name, she wasn't a star, quote unquote, a movie star, right? Timok, not a star at the time, right? Um, so this name, this movie did not have people attached to it that you could put at the top, right? And also, too, you know, the the soundtrack, which is a phenomenal soundtrack, it it's still like that's not necessarily going to pull people in to a martial art movie. Right. Because it was more at the kind of now we know it was the end of Motown's reign. Like it wasn't their peak. Right. They were dwindling down and it, it wasn't. Right. As and I think part of the movie was to try to introduce some artists and, you know, rekindle some of that Motown magic. Uh, I think that was all part of what he was doing was trying to get accomplished here. So Craig, how would you pitch this film? How would you describe this movie to, to people who've never seen it before? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a, you know, it's, um, I always say it's a martial arts meets Motown fairy tale, comedy, romance, action, Kung Flu flick <laughs> <laughs> with a pop feel appeal to it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right. The musical element. And this just kind of occurred to me now, Zach, that there might be the closest thing on a parallel level when you add that musical element and you add that world, maybe Streets of Fire. Yes. Actually, because... Yes. 
you've got a, you know, damsel in distress. You've got a, a hero who's not very a great communicator. <laughs> no. Actually, no, you're, you're onto something. Keep going, uh, keep going. You know, and you've got, you know, this, this kind of good versus evil, you know, battle all in the sweet, gentle container of, of, of a musical. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's not a musical uh, at the same time. It's music, right. but not it's, a musical. But it right. It's not it's not a musical in the traditional sense of right. what a musical is, but the music is so important to the movie. It's a, yeah. It's a part of the essence of the film. Like you, there's music playing throughout the entire movie. There's always something. And and Vanity is a you know, she's a performer. Yeah. So she's performing. In real time, the same way Ellen Amos. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Streets of Fire. I um, haven't. Yeah, I've heard but, about it. But but I, you should. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Well, now I got to watch it. <laughs> now that, that now that this idea has been infused, you should go check it out. And because I think you'll you'll really enjoy it. Number one, but I think uh, these these ideas for kind of how music is used and that's interesting. Um, and then it follows like it, it follows the steps of like the hero's journey, and it follows like like many kung fu themes. You know, it's got all that to it, too. Like it's uh, like the writer was very influenced by Bruce Lee and the movie The Shogun. The name of The Shogun comes from Shogun, which they're doing a remake right now, I think. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, it, <clears throat> he thought of the idea for the film while literally at a 10th anniversary showing of Enter the Dragon. Oh, and okay. The theater okay. scene, he's like, it was like the theater scene that he made in the movie. He's like, there were people yelling at the screen, throwing popcorn, quoting the movie, you know, and he's like, this is something else. Like, the, like this movie's 10 <laughs> years old and people love it. And they and they're there and they were wearing the outfits like they were wearing the martial arts outfits. Like people think, oh, that's crazy. This guy's dressing up like Bruce Lee. Like, who would ever do that? The people did that in the 80s. There were people like that. You're right. There, there was a martial arts store down the street from my from my house, and I would go there all the time. And they get new shipments and posters in clothes, and I, so I had my Bruce Lee posters on the wall. I had the shoes that that Bruce Lee wore, right. you know, that were super not comfortable at all. Right. Uh, wanted to wear that whole outfit. I'm curious though, with with Lewis, if if uh, I'm curious what theater he saw that in, because the open, pretty much the opening to the movie. Well, it's maybe ten minutes into the movie is is that scene where where uh, you know Bruce Leroy, played by Ty Mock, goes and is watching Enter the Dragon, and it reminds me of the movie theater in Los Angeles, the New Beverly Cinema, uh, where that is now owned by Quentin Tarantino. But mm. it's one of those theaters where you're yelling at the screen and and quoting it and yeah. Not doing what Show Enough did because the minute he w- walked in, which was hilarious, by the way, because people are like, "Wait, what are you doing right now, man? <laughs> We're trying to watch the movie here." Yeah, you de- you definitely don't want to see movies in that theater. No, like, but, but know, I guys- heard that that so that theater, like the actual theater they filmed it in, is right um, in um, Times Square. So okay. that okay, it's, it's still there. It's not. I don't think it's a theater anymore. But where we do the anniversaries, the Urban Action Showcase. Like we're doing a big 40th anniversary in November this year. Oh, they, nice! It's right across the street from from that place, from the actual theater where they film that. So it's really cool. <laughs> Wait, so you're doing a 40th anniversary in November in yeah. New York? In New York, yeah, it's huge. We've done uh, we did a 35th, we did a 30th, 
and um, it's it, get as many living cast members as we can to come do a screening. This year, there's going to be there there the actors are going to have the cast is going to have mics while we're watching the movie in the theater. They're going to comment live. You know, so it's like watching a DVD commentary, but live in the theater with the actors. It's going to be amazing. That's amazing. That's very cool. And uh, like director, uh, writer, time mog, you know, a bunch of the actors. I mean, we're putting it together now. So, I mean, the pieces will come together, but as many of the cast and, you know, we can get. Amazing. Amazing. And why are you doing it? this year versus next year not to be a spoil sport yeah no like, you're 40th. right that's a great question because next year is yeah. the 40th anniversary so the guy who runs this urban action showcase his name is demetrius angelo he his he does his thing every november so it's like a kickoff into the next year okay so he always kicks it off so he, he can be the first and start the start okay the got it yeah love it makes so sense. we're getting an exclusive is what you're saying <clears throat> yeah yeah I, I literally just talked to him like yesterday about putting this together i mean we're always planning it because it's always we know it's coming but like i just he just showed me this metaverse thing he did to promote it and all it's really cool amazing yeah that's so cool well yeah let's let's talk a little bit about the cast in uh the last dragon because obviously one of the biggest names in the movie is no longer with us. And I want to talk about, I want to sing his praises up and down. <laughs> we'll get to him, but Timok, who you now have a relationship with, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, obviously we don't know him, but hopefully he lives up to your expectations when you met him versus, you know, we've met people on the show uh, prior as well, where they're like, sometimes it's wonderful. And sometimes you're like, eh, if I never see this person again, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's a great guy. I mean, it, I think it's one of the reasons where he never got as big as he should have in Hollywood is because he is a good person. He's not, he's, he isn't willing to compromise and just get it right into that world like many people do. Not everybody does, but there's a lot of compromises people have to make sometimes right. to to make it. And he wasn't willing to do that. He was from the outside. He was a martial artist. He wasn't an actor. And he's got a lot of those like martial arts principles in him and he's, he's a good guy and he's a normal guy. He's not, you know, he's just, uh, I think sometimes if people live in, in Hollywood for so long, they get a little, uh, they get a little different. Right. And it's, it's hard yeah. for them. Maybe it's hard to relate to regular people. Right. Yep. So, you know, he lives. Are you listening, Zach? Are you listening and taking notes? <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. You do look a little Hollywood there. Too long. <laughs> I buddy. do. I have my moments. I have my moments. Wink. I got that glow. <laughs> yeah, it's right here. That's the Hollywood glow. Um, but you wouldn't know that that this is like first his movie. freshman performance, basically. Yeah, very first you know, never did anything. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Like yeah. what he does in this film, he's so natural, uh, and fits this role so, like a glove. Yeah, you know, he's just yeah. so good in it. Yeah, it's like it was written for him, but they didn't even know him before writing it. Like he was perfect for it. Like yeah. that Amazing. shyness and naiveness, like it all played into it perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Van, he's working across Vanity who... I just have a comment before we talk about Vanity, because I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Craig. You know, Timok, Bruce Leroy was very... He's very endearing. He's a very endearing character. I felt a strong connection to him in terms of his views of the world, you know, his his innocence, his 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 view of right and wrong. And when I saw him 
like four years later as a rapist on a different world. Right. It destroyed me. I was like, uh. this is not okay. <laughs> Look, there's Polaris. That must be the Little Dipper. I can barely make it out. I guess it's because the Little Dipper has three, three stars, stars brighter than, than the fourth, fourth magnitude. <laughs> I wish I'd have known that on the last astronomy test. I know a place where we can see the stars much better. Up at the Overlook, it's nice and high, and there's no glare from the city lights. I've never been up there. I know the way. Yeah. This is not okay. And and I couldn't I couldn't get I couldn't get past it. Yeah. It like, upset, that is... upset a lot of people. And one of the reasons yes. why he did it is he was trying to show a different Of course. Side, right? That's what actors but I, do. But yeah, no, I think it backfired though. I think a lot of people were shocked and it doesn't work. Cool. Yep. Especially yep. especially he has so many female fans, right? And to to see yep. that it's just like whoa. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, Dustin, you're blowing my mind right now because typically, Craig, I'm the one who like idealizes an actor from a movie like Matt Adler in North Shore. I was like, oh, it's Rick Kane. And then I see him play a bully in a movie. I'm like, I don't like him in that. Dustin, you had that moment with Time Lock. I I did have that moment. And thanks for bringing it to my attention. Really? Yeah, because the episode's called No Means No. And (gasps) yeah, and Bruce Lura doesn't doesn't know. That no means no. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I never yeah. saw that. I mean, I love that show. I used to watch that show all the time back in the day. I think yeah. you saw that episode. I'm you sure I did. You must have. Wow. Wow. You can go back and look at your day book while you, while you, while you missed <laughs> yeah, it. Look at my day planner. <laughs> for, for 89. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's intense, though, when you see somebody that you idolize. Not, more than, yeah, idolize as a hero on screen. You're like, this guy's so cool. And then you see him playing a role and you're like, ooh. That's- it's not even about cool. It's just about, like, these are his ideals. Right. He's an innocent, pure character. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't he, even just yeah. him playing a villain. It was playing a date rapist. Like, it's just. Exactly. Which is no coming back from Exactly. That. That's right? it's, it's not a cool villain. Yeah. yeah. It's not Patrick Swayze in Point Break where he's a. Yeah bank robber or whatever it's yeah. totally he's not story. the leader of a biker gang he's a date rapist yeah. it's not well, he's actually oh, time yes. is on a show right now on uh, it's on the all black network and he's playing a villain in that and he's, he's doing it very well i'm very impressed like it's it's, it's called oh. a double cross okay yes, double cross yep yeah it, it's kind of like um you know like a easy watch kind of soap opery kind of you know the a lot of people love this kind of show, like not the greatest yeah. plot in the world, but it's fun. And but he it. takes the role so seriously and does such a good job. Like he brings authenticity to it. And man, is he he's evil and he plays it. It's good. Well, it's look, good. and and that just that's fantastic that he's he's continuing to work. That we're always happy when we see somebody that we admired from way back when. You know, getting a a new lease on their career or yeah. continuing their career. Yeah, and that's he, wasn't, he wasn't out there for many years, you know, but he did do, he was doing plays and like, he really went back and said, I got to work on myself as an actor because he didn't have that training and he did yeah. plays and all sorts of stuff for years. And he was choreographing uh, videos and, you know, martial arts stuff and stuntmen and modeling and all sorts of stuff like that. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll go back to his performance in Last Dragon. It, it is very natural and it, it feels and it doesn't but it doesn't feel natural in a way like a boxer playing a boxer. And you're like, this yeah. guy's just good at it. he's very natural in the role of Bruce Leroy. 
overall. It's not just like he's great at martial arts. No, the guy can act. And then his chemistry with Vanity is fantastic as well. Yeah. I mean, she, I, I feel like I want to be super breathy when I talk about her because everything in the movie, it's like she's taking a big deep breath and a sigh the whole time. And these are my fresh eyes, by the way. These are like, you know, not seeing it for 20 years and rewatching and going, man, she's so breathy with every line she says, but she's so dynamic. Like she's like you, she draws you in. Yeah. It's like know? such a flirty performance. It's just like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, she's great. Like I've always loved vanity and yeah. I've actually loved her acting career more than her singing career. Um, you know, unfortunately Carl Weathers just passed away and we were just talking about uh, action Jackson and how much, I mean, we love that movie yeah. and she's so great in it and she's yeah. so great. She's just great in this. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Both. Rest in peace. But yes. uh, uh, before we get to Julius Carey, I just want to point out Christopher Murney, who plays Eddie Arcadian, mm -hmm. uh, still creeps me out to this day. And as a kid, he just snaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it triggered. There was a, there was a moment. So on, on our show, Craig, we uh, oftentimes we will bring up moments from my childhood that traumatized me. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, um, the little boy in Salem's lot, who's, who's scratching on the window, let me in, let oh, me in, you know, terrified me as a kid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but uh, Eddie Arcadian, Christopher Murney, he, when his giant mug flashes on the screen at the end on the television screen yeah. or the TV or whatever, <laughs> yeah. it, it terrified me as a kid. Like yeah. his face freaked me out. Yeah. And then I saw him in Maximum Overdrive, and I'm like, this guy gets what he deserves, right? Mm -hmm. But then it dawned on me. I don't know if either of you have seen the cartoon from the 80s called Kid Video, but there's a character in Kid Video, the main villain. It's about this, this kid rock band. The music's great, by the way. Kid rock band that gets sucked into a portal. I'm sure right? that's debatable, but... Uh, I, I personally <laughs> love it. The theme song is amazing. The theme song to Kid Video is amazing. But the main villain, his name is Master Blaster. Oh, this sounds familiar. And he looks just like Eddie Arcadian, right, Dustin? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. He I did voiceover really work. He, about he, did, he does voiceover work, too. He did. He did not play that oh, character. Oh, he didn't? He wasn't that character? Okay. Do you know who he did play? <laughs> who? Chester Cheetah. Oh, really? wow. Yeah, that's him. That's fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. And he was in um Slapshot too. Yes. He yeah. was did he have hair in Slapshot? Did he have a full head of hair? I think just the just side. The side. Just the, a little the on top, I think. Yeah. <laughs> was he he was the goalie? I think he was a goalie he was wearing a mask a lot. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right, yeah. right, right. What are your uh Dustin, what are your thoughts on uh Eddie Arcadian? Uh yeah, you know, he's like he's just your classic villain Napoleon complex you know uh yeah it's really funny even thinking about well you know what let me just pause for a minute if you guys haven't seen the last dragon here's just the here's the quick bullet points 
You've got Leroy Green. Everyone calls him Bruce Leroy because he's obsessed with Bruce Lee and he's, you know, on his way to becoming a Kung Fu master. Uh, he is being trained by, you know, his master who lives on this kind of boat barge. Or it's it's yeah. almost like this, this I, I never really thought about like where in the city that is. I'm like, oh, it's on the water. You know, you have these great aerial shots and you're like, oh, he's coming out. Okay. All right. Right. Okay. Um, but he's being trained and his master tells him, you know, bad news, good news, bad news. We've kind of gone as far as we can go together as master and student. I'm not your master anymore. And Leroy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone. I don't know everything. He's like, yes, you do. Go out and, you know, find it. But Leroy's like, no, I need a new master. And he's like, well, if you do, go out and find this some yum goy. Uh, you know, here, give him this, this belt buckle or, you know, it, it is a belt buckle, but we don't know that. Give him this medallion, go out, you know, find, this is your, this is your mission to, to seeking what you, what you, what you need. And the last dragon, you know, has the Bruce Lee reference to it, but it's also considered the final level of the martial arts training, which I kind of love. So it's, you know, it's got this dual, you know, meaning to it. And in the process, Leroy meets Vanity, who plays Laura Charles. She's a, she's a, like one of the original VJs. You know, yeah. they, they call her the DJ lady. Everyone's like the DJ lady, the DJ lady. But she's like a VJ lady. She has a lot of power uh, for this, for this local New York show. The movie takes place in Harlem. And, you know, you've got this Eddie Arcadian guy that we've mentioned who really wants his girlfriend, uh, Angie, Angela, he wants her videos that he's producing, of course, you know, on Laura Charles's show. And Laura's like, well, they're terrible. No. So, um, I don't know. Dirty books is kind of a jam. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And, I like uh, <laughs> yeah, test drive, I feel like is very earwormy too. But, um, <laughs> you know, so in the process, Eddie, you know, Laura suffers Eddie's wrath. He's out to get her. Leroy happens to be in the wrong place or right place, you know, right place, wrong time. Right. And, um, so there's that relationship. And then, uh, yeah, and that kind of brings us to, I think, up to date as far as the rest of the characters, the cast of characters. I mean, and there's characters, too, that that obviously like have very small roles throughout this film, but stand out in such a big way. I mean, you you said it with uh, with Angie, like as annoying as she is, there's also so much heart to her, too. You know, yeah. like you feel her. Um, I, I, quick question for you guys. Is Kew Gardens a real place? It is, yeah. Yes, in Queens. Okay, it's in Queens. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, because they, they reference that a couple times, and I'm like, is that a real place? I wasn't sure. But um, Eddie Arcadian is so devilish. Would you say he's more devious than Shonuff? I definitely would, yeah. He's like, he's an evil kind of want to ego maniacal, want to take over his little piece of the world, where I think Shonuff is like, he plays the role of a bully, but he really just wants to show his, you know, martial arts domination. Like, he just wants to show that he's the biggest, baddest around. Am I the meanest? Sure Am I the prettiest? Sure Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Sure I can't hear you. Sure And Bruce Leroy stands in his way of that. 
he's the only guy that's good enough to to face him. So his thing is, it's just like, it's old school, like back in the day, like, you know, martial arts clubs used to go to other clubs and say, I'm going to take you on to show we're the better school, right? The schools would do that. It's kind of right. based on that sort of thing, right? Like I'm the king of Harlem and I need to take you out and show everybody. So he's got, he's kind of got like a, like a street honor to him that I don't know if everybody sees. Clearly he's a bully, I said, but he, he's got this kind of, you can see and there's parts in the movie where you can see he doesn't really want Leroy to like bow down to him. He wants him to stand up and fight. Yeah. He's disappointed. Yeah. Right. When he's, you look on his face when he, when Leroy actually bows down to him, he's like, and he's like, nah, man, you're better than this. Right. right. There's this code of honor he has. It's misplaced, <laughs> misguided, but there's a code there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He just wants a good fight. Yeah, I would say Shonoff's biggest problem is that he can't read the room. <laughs> you know, he 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 has no he just enters a room and you know, it's like, well, we're watching a movie, so like we can deal with this, but we don't need to deal with this now. Yeah. Well, it's when you first introduced to him, yeah, he's intru- he's introduced in a way where you're kind of like, is this guy a joke? Yeah. Is is he because yeah, he's kind of being laughed at a little bit, but as the movie progresses, he gets more and more he becomes more and more of that that typical bully. Yeah. But I agree with you, Craig. There is there is a there is a side to him that there's an honorable side in some yeah. way. I yeah. think that's hidden. It's dig. It's deep in there. Yeah. Um. You know, one scene that stands out to me is is and show enough by the way, played by Julius Carey, phenomenal. Um, yeah. Like in everything he's ever done, whether it's Briscoe County Junior, yeah. which if you guys have never seen that show, it is. So good. Uh, such an underrated television show. Um, he was on a movie. It was with Michael Prey and Catherine uh, Mary Stewart. Oh, there you go. And, the worlds collide. <laughs> and Bruce Dern is in it as well. Welcome to the 21st century. To a bad case of future shock. A taste of frenzy fever. It's hell on earth. It's a world gone wild. There remains one last twisted piece of paradise that a bunch of stoned-out flower children call home. But not for long. Because they're about to get a visit from a group that's got a rude attitude. Let us pray. Let's all go to hell together. Magic time. Bruce Dern, Michael Paré, Catherine Mary Stewart, and Adam Ant gone wild if you've never seen world gone wild try to find a digital copy maybe it's on youtube it's kind of the precursor for girls gone wild but it yeah, exactly world yeah. gone wild and yeah. michael Perez in the movie most of the time with the shirt off so you know it gets everybody that likes him with the shirt off anyways um there's a scene when show enough shows up at leroy green aka bruce leroy's dojo and johnny Yu you know, gets in his face. Right. And which I love by the way. And I want to talk about Johnny as well. Cause I think he's to me, one of my personal favorites in the movie, like a smaller character. Glenn Eaton. Yep. Who will be on our show by the way. Oh actually. yeah. Oh, Glenn's a great guy. I really like Glenn. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. Glenn will be a part of our martial art madness. Um, oh, that's great. When Johnny is kind of thrown to uh show enough minions 
and they look like they're going to snap his neck and he lets him go. He's like, yeah. let him go. Right. Yeah. And that to me, was a moment of like, there is a heart in there. You just got to dig deep to yeah. get to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Bow, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> Bows down to your master. Yeah, coolie. Kiss my converse. Enough! You want to fight? You fight me, you big, ugly, smelly breath sucker! How about you? Stream being Rick James looking fool. Peace killing! one of the greatest villains ever i don't care oh yeah agree <laughs> yeah and like you know listen to i don't know if you notice every time he comes in the room they have this like bass music playing like it's like whoa you know it's like mm -hmm. this might be a joke like you said you come is this a joke but then you hear that and you're like okay this guy should be taken seriously it's like very menacing and then every time he comes it it goes from like you know leroy can take out everybody boom, 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 he's whipping everybody's butt and then all of a sudden boom you know, playtime's right. over. You know, you warmed up yet? It's awesome. Like that final conflict at the end. It's one of the greatest climax to a film. Like fight, final fight scene. Like wow, it's incredible. Would you say that he is the he he's the most iconic from the film as far in in, in pop culture? Would yeah. you say show enough? Yeah, because I think it's one of the things that like when people hear the name, when I say the last dragon, they, people's mind automatically goes to, a, Oh, that's a Bruce Lee movie. Right. When they don't know. Yeah. And then if I say like, who's the master or talk about, Oh, that one now with that guy. Yeah. Show up. Oh yeah. I know that. Yeah. Like it really stands out or Bruce, you say Bruce Leroy showing up, but it's shown up that really, yeah, it's the most memorable part. Right. But that brings us back to what we were saying. Cause you need to go, Barry's Barry Gordy's the last dragon. That's how you need to say it. If you're right. like, yeah, that's true, oh, right? oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because it just sends people in different tangents. Like, oh, it does, okay. and I'll it say totally like, does. oh, do you remember that song, Rhythm of the Night? Oh yeah, I know that. And then you know, it came, then I'm like, it came from that movie. Like what? Because <laughs> I was telling my wife that the other day. Actually, I was. I, I said, do you know that song, Rhythm of the Night? And she's like, sing it for me. And I started kind of butchering it and she mm. goes i i have i've heard yeah i know that song and i'm like it's from last dragon she goes really I'm, yeah. and then i said barry gordy's last dragon no, i didn't um <laughs> no he didn't nobody does nobody does right yeah. and then and then uh and then my son's like you know what other songs 
does that guy do? And I said, well, he does Who's Johnny? And she's like, oh, yeah, I like that song, too. So we started yeah, singing that together. Yeah, that's a great song, too. <laughs> that, that guy being El DeBarge. El DeBarge, yes, yeah. of course. And we will get to the soundtrack in, in, in a little bit. But, yeah. Sorry, um, I'm jumping all over the place. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's our fault. Good. It's all for all. We, we led you there. Um, I just want to point out two names that two actors that I noticed watching this 20 years later. Um, first of all, <laughs> William H. Macy is yep. in it for one scene JJ. and it's a JJ. Yeah. yeah. And then Chaz Palminteri. Yep. Um, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Wild. Sal got sick. Yep. You just sit back and relax. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, so good, so good. He gets, yeah, he gets beat up. Bruce Leroy beats him up, pushes him through the window. <laughs> well, so I don't know, Craig, if you've seen a movie called New York Ninja. New York. It came out about two years ago. It, it, it's a, it's a fabled story now at this point. Um, but a, a, a small boutique Blu-ray company called Vinegar Syndrome found the, um, the film canisters in a warehouse, and, and it's a martial art movie by a guy named John Liu, but it had no sound. So they redubbed it with Cynthia Rothrock, Don the Dragon Wilson, um, uh, Michael Berryman, a whole cast of well-known actors. Wow, I'm surprised I don't know that. Wow, like those folks all come to their Urban Action Showcase, the the one where we do the anniversaries. They're all there. Yeah, Leon Isaac Kennedy is another one who's in it as well. And yeah, you should watch New York Ninja. But Dustin... Watching this movie, that the the final sequence when uh, Bruce Leroy is taking on Eddie Arcadian's kind of gang that he's assembled, it reminded me of New York Ninja in the way of like just a, a ragtag group of these random looking dudes. New York Ninja, I believe, was made in like 1984. 84, exactly, exactly. But it yeah. had vibes to that. It, it did. I mean, look, yeah. I mean, it's you, it's the same. It's the same time period basically, and you have. Uh, it's very video game like with this cast of characters that you know Eddie's hiring for a final performance, if you will, to go and take out Bruce Leroy because he's just too menacing. He keeps he keeps saving the day, and uh, and he also embarrassed you know Eddie Arcadian, and no one embarrasses Eddie Arcadian. Hothead need cool water, uh, which I've said you know once once a month at least. Uh, for these past 39 years. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it is, it is. And, and the way that the floor, you know, the floor lights up, like Eddie's really gone to a lot of trouble. He's spending a ton of money. Yeah. And at some point you realize, which is kind of the, the, the hilarious thing about this is that like, at some point he loses sight of what the goal even is because his girlfriend has abandoned him. He's trying to get her video like played on this thing. But meanwhile, like he owns all these TVs. Like she's getting, she's getting coverage. She's just not getting like Laura Charles coverage, seventh heaven co- coverage, yeah, you right. know, but he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill. I, I don't care. I'm going to kill people to get her video played. <laughs> My God. And you're like, well, how's this going to work, man? You're not going to, you're going to get arrested. Like you kill Leroy, you're going to get arrested. So it's uh, it's it's really funny when you kind of think of it in the big picture. Like, what is Eddie's goal here? Yeah, his ego just takes over. Yeah, right. It's it's too late. Just forget it. It's over. He just, when he falls in love with, uh, seems like towards the end, he's playing a music video by uh, Charlene, the song Fire. And he's suddenly very smitten with her. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, the next one. Yeah. 
dude, is this right. the guy? He is. Is she the one he's just gonna move over to now? Like he's. You know. Seems like something he would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we talk a little bit about the soundtrack, Dustin? Should we get into that? Well, before we do that, I really need to acknowledge, you know, my other favorite character of this movie, and that Please. is, and that is Richie. Richie, I am not concerned with moves. My concern is something else. Else? What else is there? Please, I must see her. I don't see why I'm getting so upset. Go on, go after a goddess if you want to. But let me tell you something. The worst thing that can happen to you is that she says yes. Cause ain't no woman like that gonna hold still while you figure it out. Not only do you not know when to do something, you wouldn't know where to put it if you did. And Leroy, it can really hurt if you don't know what you're doing. Richie, I must go to this dance contest. I ain't taking you nowhere, and that's final. Please. <sighs> Kiss my hand. Richie, please. Maybe I'll take you. If you uh, carry me all the way on your back and wrap. Wrap me? You know, Richie, Leo O'Brien. Oh, yes. Also, rest Good. in peace. Um, but Richie really, really, like, dominates every scene he's in. I agree. In the best way. I agree. And so much charisma for a young guy. So much charisma. He's the younger brother who's actually, like, the older brother. And this is the first time, by the way, of watching it recently where I was kind of, like, very in tune to the fact that I feel like Leroy may be on the spectrum a little bit. <laughs> and I feel like... <laughs> right? He's just different. He's not I, right, but but that's but it's funny because I because I'm watching I'm watching all the the episodes of Love on the Spectrum on on Netflix now, Craig, <laughs> and I'm feeling like the way that he is with Laura, it's exactly the same. And I love this show, by the way, love it, Love on the Spectrum. It's so virgin. pure. He's a virgin. He's but never. he's but he's so his his emotions are so pure as far as you know. His joy is joy and his, you know, um, but then there's certain times where he's feeling things and he doesn't know how to um, communicate. Like when Laura is asking him, like, will you be my bodyguard? And he's just sitting there like, you know, silent, <laughs> straight ahead. She's like, hello, Earth. You know, I'm sorry. I have a mission. I'm like, he's on the spectrum a little bit. And that's fine. And that's fine. He's a life. He's been dedicated to martial arts his entire life. He's very focused. Very focused. Very <laughs> focused. Look. But that's part of the journey. And that's why he needs his master sends him out to do these things because he's got to learn different facets and aspects of life because he can't truly be the master without falling in love and dealing with revenge and, you know, anger and all that stuff because yeah. he's living this, you know, closed in life. Right. But he's also very literal. He doesn't understand like what a paintbrush is. You know, whereas like Richie's like 12 and he's like, you know, show you some moves. And he's like, I do not know what, you know. So anyway, just that's totally an aside. I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not campaigning for that. Point, you made but. me think of one thing really quick, though, because uh, Remo Williams came out the same year, 1985, and they're not anywhere near the same movies, obviously. However, Chun, uh, played by um, Joel Gray, Joel Gray you know, is, is like the nasty version of, uh, Leroy's, uh, you know, sensei. Yes. And I'm like, well, 
maybe if he like he's his BFF is, you know, a 75 year old man who probably only goes out for groceries and that's about it every day. So he's got a little bit of a stunted, uh, you know, growth when it comes to just socialization, I guess. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, though, like as odd as that was, that helped me connect with him more because totally. I was, yes. I always felt different. You know, I grew up in a town, a small town in Canada where there aren't very many other people of, col- of color there. So and then people want to put you in this stereotypical box. Like, well, you should do this and you should like this music and you should right. play this and do that. Right. And then comes along this guy who looks like he could be my brother. And he's like, this guy is doing his own thing. And I'm like, see, it's OK for me to do yes. my own thing and allow right. me to do my own thing. And it's one of the reasons why. I connect so much with this film and I think everyone has different reasons, but I think that's one of the ways that people connect with this because it allows you to be yourself. Like you don't have to fit into a stereotype. You can be outside of that. Right. I totally agree. You know, I think too, it's Leroy's vision of the world where it is like there's good and bad, you know, there's like good and bad. There's, there's no gray. And, and that was kind of how I viewed the world too, where I was like, there's no, yeah, yeah, you know, like, so, uh, and also I was a very shy kid, you know, the same way that he, that he was. Um, but I just say that because Richie's life experience seems to just be so far (laughs) advanced to, to, you know, Leroy's, um, you know, Hey, Reloy, you know, he's the coolie kid. He's the, you know, he's, he's always making jokes at his brother's expense. Leroy would never do that, you know, to, to Richie, he would never make fun of him. He would never, he would never even think to do that. And, you know, of course, Richie's the one that loves Laura. He knows about all this stuff, but Richie too has this great little journey of growth where at the end he's like, do not make fun of my brother. Like, don't even, you know, like his friend says something and he's like, no, that's the master. And that, and that's what I love. Yeah. I love love that too. For me, my world building is that Leroy spends all his days training versus Richie who hangs out at a pizza, his parents' pizza shop all day. So he's getting this more of a, of a urban experience of like different people interacting with people on a regular basis, going out in the town versus Leroy being so committed, so focused and, and having his students with him who, you know, lockstep every word that he says. And except for Johnny, who I, honestly connect with Johnny because I used comedy as a way to like basically mask some of my insecurities. Right. And I love how I'm like watching this now, 20 years later uh, and knowing I watched this movie when I was nine, I watched it when I was 10, I watched it, you know, over and over and over again. I'm going, man, I totally relate to that guy now more than I think other people, because I would try to diffuse the situation by being silly and then run away. Yeah, when when you meet him, when you talk to him, um, you'll see he's he's just like the character. Like he's a little older now, so he's more calm and wiser. But <laughs> he like that character. Like he wasn't an actor either. He got the role because yeah. his sister was dating Barry Gordy. Like, <laughs> they, and they just threw him in at the last minute. He wasn't even in the script. They're just Amazing. like, and he couldn't do martial arts. He wasn't a martial artist. He just was a Bruce Lee fanatic and he could, he just watched Bruce Lee over and over again, had pictures, posters, and just would mimic him and could do scene for scene, move for move. Entire, I've seen him do this, the entire sequence of like that oh, fight yeah. into the dragon 
like underground, like with the pole. He can read yeah. the whole thing. To this amazing. Day. It's amazing. Crazy. He just taught himself. So he taught himself nunchucks, taught himself all that stuff, the kicks. And so he could do it all, but he was not like really officially trained in any of it. It's crazy. <laughs> That's why his character is so good, though, because yeah. it's it's one of the it's it's a very it's a story you hear often in movies where it's a character that wasn't even written into the movie, yeah. you know, and then got their way in. And next thing you know, it's a standout role for that actor for that movie. Johnny, what are you doing? Well, you see, Leroy, uh, you know how you're always teaching us to master the art of fighting without fighting? We said, I did you one better. I mastered the art of fighting without knowing how to fight. You see, people, people are afraid of oriental dudes. Give them a little move, a little stream, and lots of attitude. Check this out. Johnny. To seek safety, one must go to the heart of danger. Huh? You gotta ask him about it. Let him tell the story about how, you know, he really uses that art of fighting without he there's a real story where that comes from his real life. The art of fighting without knowing how. He got into it and <laughs> used that and got out. <laughs> He'll tell it. You gotta remind him because he might forget to tell you about it. Oh no, we'll bring it up. We'll bring yeah. it up for sure. Yeah, and and for everybody, uh, you know, Glenn Eden is is going to be our guest this month as well on the show. We're very excited about that. Um, but I, any any quick mention about the three uh, stoner guys who work at the uh, fortune cookie factory? The Chinese guys, the Sumdum Goy dancers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how amazing are they? They're great. They're great. I mean, they were. Um... And that was a Barry Gordy move too, because when they were in, written in the, they were still like, they were singing like a James Brown song in the script, like the original script. So they were still like acting like urban hip, but they were talking, they were doing it in Chinese accents. So okay. then Barry Gordy saw, thought, no, it would be funny to flip this and and have them talking jive and like, you know, acting cool, yes. like acting black, right? And it really worked. It's like, because Bruce Lee comes around, Bruce Leroy, acting like Bruce Lee, like trying to act like Bruce Lee, like an Asian guy. And the Asian guys are acting like <laughs> black guys. It's, it's I black. love it. So I, I love it. It reminds me, you know, my only exposure to a lot of Asian cinema at the time was Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung in the, in the mid 80s, right? Besides Bruce Lee. And so they reminded me a little bit of Sammo Hung and Jackie Chan. Um, there's, a, there's a movie where they're, they're like, food guys like they meals on, food wheels. meals on wheels thank you thank you yeah. thank you that's why you're here craig food guys um, I, yeah, i'm not meal- gonna be able to help you that you guys know movies more than I do. <laughs> no i just blanked on that for some re- meals on wheels if you guys have never seen meals on wheels it's so much fun uh benny the jet and jackie chan have a fantastic fight in that movie it's yeah. considered one of the best martial art mo- uh fight scenes of all time but uh but they no they kind of reminded me of that comical yeah Relief. There's comic relief through this whole thing. But then again, like I said in the opening when we were talking about, um, I was almost called a master blaster, Eddie Arcadian. There are some terrifying moments too. Yeah. So this movie, this movie has it all. Yeah, I mean, I was scared of showing up when I was a kid. Like he was intimidating. <laughs> yeah, now I look at him like he's so cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love, but yeah, I can see that too. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah, with his with his eye, right? His just his bulging eye at sometimes. <laughs> it's like I say, who's the master? You say, show enough. Um, and just a quick shout out to uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. Yeah. Um, yes, probably the first time uh, I know for me, right? Seeing like a I don't know six year old kick ass. <laughs> like <laughs> that was his, and that was his first movie. Like all these guys, yeah. it was pretty much their first movie. His first movie, it was. Um, you know, you mentioned before Chaz Palminteri is his first movie. It was um, it's amazing. JJ, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking his name. <laughs> William H Macy. William, William H Macy. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think Last Dragon terms right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Don't get me started, but yep. if we talk about the Warriors, because I'll refer to everybody in their gang names. Yep. So uh... <laughs> yeah. those guys come to their Urban Action Showcase too. I keep bringing this up. <laughs> I'm sure they do. I mean, yeah. we may need to make Dustin. We may need to make a trip out to New York. A road trip. Urban Action Showcase in November. It's at the AMC Empire AMC 25. Fantastic. Okay. I'll give you guys a link. Yeah, we'll put links to Craig's website in the show notes and his Instagram page as well, as well as the link for the upcoming um, Urban Action Showcase. Yes. Okay, so we got to talk about the soundtrack. Normally we go down like song by song. We don't always do that, but sometimes we do. I just kind of want to know from the three, us three, um, what's your favorite song on the soundtrack? Mm-hmm. So Oops. Dustin, what is your favorite oh, song on man. the soundtrack? Uh, you know, it's it's tough because this soundtrack as a whole to me is fantastic. And I think it really... I don't know. Like it holds up. I, I've maybe that's, did we talk about it in terms of martial arts soundtracks? Is that, no, we weren't talking about that, but no, but it's been brought up before. It feels like that just seems familiar to me, but it's, so it's very, very hard uh, because out of the entire soundtrack, right. It's not just like, Oh, it's hands down that song. It's like, there's like five or six songs that are good. And it's not like the normal thing that I would do where it's like, you, you know, I, you get the cassette and I'm like, all right, well, that's only, I really don't hear this one. So I'm going to play it. I'm going to rewind it. I'm going to play this again. Like, it's not that, you know, so you could let this one play, maybe skip a couple of them, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's, there's no way I could say my favorite song. Okay. I'm going to pivot then. I'm going to pivot slightly for you both to make it a little bit easier. Uh, we're going to go down the soundtrack track by track. And then you guys are going to say, keep it or nah, not so much. Okay. Right. Um, I'm going, by the way, uh, uh, Lee Germany, who's a friend of the show. He's a patron. If you want to be a patron, go to, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash $2 Lafey. Um, he sent me this soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, vinyl. wow. Good work, Lee. My daughter's yeah. in vinyl. She's 12. As she should. And I have the cassette tape too for nice. the uh, Last Dragon soundtrack, which that was what we did, Dustin. We used this cassette tape for our trivia um, contest. Okay. Those are okay. In perfect, perfect condition. Those it's in perfect great. condition. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And um, he yeah. polishes it regularly, yeah. but I do. that's, you know, that's it's small got some scuff marks on it, but it still plays perfectly. Wow. Um, okay. So, so I'll go down. Flip it. Flip, flip the vinyl in the Flip air. the vinyl. And I, by the way, this is the only soundtrack that I think has ever done this where there's an eastern side and a western side. It's not an A, it's not a B, but it's an eastern it's, side. It's west. Love it. Yeah. East and west. It yeah. is so, so cool that they did that. Love it. So cool yep. that they did that. Um, okay. He just means the east side of Harlem and the west side of Harlem, but that's... <laughs> oh, thank, no, sincerely, Dustin, thanks for clarifying that because i didn't know well no i don't i don't i mean 
you can look at it many different ways. I but think when one you, of the taglines was East meets West moving back. They tried a bunch right. of different stuff. I think it was. No, it is, it is supposed to be right. Like, like the, the idea of Bruce Lee, like, yeah, the, the literal East, Eastern countries, mm-hmm. uh, meeting Western countries, but it's, it's confined to Harlem. Right. So it just makes sense. <laughs> and also we did not talk about the insanely long text that's on the original theatrical poster for last dragon. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to read a very entertaining text, I love it and I'm totally okay with it, but it is insane. How It's like two paragraphs, I think of text, but um, okay, really quick or not really quick, but let's get into this. The last dragon by Dwight David. The journey now Justin, keep, love, or pass? Yeah, I mean, definitely keep. Wait, keep, love, or pass? What, what, well, do, do, what, do you love I, it, or would you pass on it? <laughs> I want to I keep it and love it. Okay, keep and love. Keep and love. Yeah. How about, how about, yeah, yeah how yeah, about you? You got to keep and love that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dwight David, I don't think is is as notable as Willie Hutch, obviously, but but, man, this song is, it's an anthem. It is an, it is. Yeah. It's five minutes and 12 seconds of just pure gold. I think it's five minutes and 12 seconds. It's uh, like seven minutes. Yeah. Seven. It's seven yeah. minutes. But the reason yeah. he's not well as well known is because he normally goes by Spider Turner. Dwight David. Really? And where, where do we know Spider Turner from? Uh, you know, well, okay. Here's the quick back thing, right? This is why this is so notable. Because Barry Gordy has essentially assembled like a a total who's who of like Motown producers. So it's like, so you go down this, you go down these songs and you see the names and you're like, okay, okay. But there's a lot of things going on here, which we can kind of talk to talk about as we get to the individual songs. Right. But the fact is, is that Barry Gordy, he, he has eight different kids with six different women. So he's kind of like the Von Erichs, Zach. Yeah, the wrestling the, family, the wrestling the family right? There's there's just an epically large thing. A lot of these kids wanted to detach themselves from the Gordy name, nepotism, whatever you call it. But there are many kids involved in this in this album, so it's it's very much like a family thing. Spider Turner, to my knowledge, has no familial ties to him, but he does. You know, it's just like that's guys a, producing. Yes, just producing. Change names. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow, it's wild. Okay, well, uh, then obviously this song is epic for all the things we just said and more, I think. Um, yeah, it just builds up. Se- There's like a two-minute buildup before you get any <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I love it. it. It's it's on my workout mix. Yeah, um, oh, it's great. We've we've talked about, we've shouted out this mix before. It's called the Blood Brother Mix. Yes, this guy took, I know it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it is so good. It is so good. I think it's on 
Uh, you can get it for free on SoundCloud. Oh, I found um, it years ago. I probably found it through you, or you found it through me. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I found I found this Last Dragon T-shirt through you, Craig, okay. and because we talked about this, this is how we kind of first started corresponding with each other. And yeah, maybe that's I might have shared that with you. But there are three mixes, and they're all gold, yeah, I mean, and they have t- uh, three songs, I believe, from the Last Dragon yeah. soundtrack in the first one. Craig and Zach are wearing the same T-shirt. I don't know if we made that entirely clear we I sort mean, of reacted to it on our end but that's what's going on they got the memo and it's a great title of barry gordy's the last dragon if this was heartbreak ridge we would not have to do uh, our workout for the day because we were wearing the matching t-shirts i think <laughs> um seventh heaven by vanity Craig, what's your thoughts? Okay. Keep or pass? I would keep the movie version. I passed on the album version. Oh, that's interesting. Dustin? That's interesting. I would pass on both because the visual element, the faces Vanity is making, it's almost like she's possessed, and I don't understand what this song really is. You know, if you dare... Never say never. Like, what's going ah, on with it? It's ah, breathy. It's breathy, to your point. It's kind of like a Prince song. Like, what's every Prince song really about? Right. Right. You know, uh, on <laughs> the... in a car. <laughs> the, uh, the bass <laughs> aspect of like... Dan, 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 dan. Right? Like, I like that a lot. Same. But I just... Get out the yellow. She gets so high. And I'm just like, all right, I can't. I can't. It's and I've always song. felt that way. Yeah, and, you know, so. it grew on me a lot because I think when I watched this when I was a kid, I didn't really like it, but I, yeah. it grew on me now. And I love Vanity so much. Denise, I call her Denise, actually. But, um, <laughs> yes, yes, as you should. She wanted to be referred as Denise Matthews later in life. So I call her Denise. Yes, yes. We, we will yeah, call her fair. Denise. Okay. And you can call her whatever you want. It's, it's all cool with me. We'll call, we'll her, call her a star. I mean, she's truly a star, but. Uh, yeah, she's just gorgeous. She's beautiful. Just yeah. beautiful. So that's why it's hard. That's why I have to, you know, say. You know, the album version is a little, it's tame. It's very tame. The the, the movie version is iconic. So I, I keep. I think I mentioned that uh, Angie's, uh, the two songs Angie sings in the in the movie are not on the physical soundtrack, right. uh, which is a shame. Yeah. Uh, Dirty Books. And what was the other one, Dustin? The uh, Test Drive. Test Drive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a shame because I think they're also, I think, maybe a little bit better than Seventh Heaven. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but but look, it's who's singing it, and and I agree with you. The visual is what makes the song more entertaining. Can you name would, the other song that's not on the soundtrack? Notable song. What notable um, song is, on the is uh? You know, it's it's so hard when we do this because I'm always like, oh, was that in that scene or was that? I'm like, oh no, that's. It's a big um, song. So one one of the one of the big songs that's not on the soundtrack. Yeah. Zach, do it. Tell him. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to defer to Craig. Craig, tell us. <laughs> Sukiyaki Saki Soup. Sukiyaki Saki Soup. You suck it to me. I suck it to you. Sukiyaki. 
Now that should be, if there's ever a reissue on vinyl for this and they put those songs on there, they got to put that. that Apparently that one is really hard to find, like a real version of it. It's hard to find. I'm sure. Suki, Yaki, Hot, Saki, There's a mystery too. There's a mystery, like what you were talking about with how Barrett Gordy renames his children and da, 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 da. There's a complete mystery with this song, who actually sang it. And um, I've done some digging and I think... It's, it's so it's listed as by Raw Dog, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Raw Dog. But Raw Dog is like doesn't exist. So I I did some searching and it looks like it's a guy named Sherrick who was a Motown singer. Um, didn't last too long. He got in trouble with drugs and stuff like that and passed away in 1999. But it was it, it looks like it was him Sher- Sherrick and the Dirty Cats or something like that, which is why weird that it's Raw oh, Dog. That's wild. Dirty it's Cats. Raw dog. <laughs> but there's but I went down a rabbit hole. There's all sorts of stuff. It was like Carrie Ashby and Carrie Gordy and da 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 da. Wow, so like right. all these people worked on it, but he was the lead singer. And his name is like Lamont Smith. It's not, you know, it's not Sherrick. So a guy named Lamont Smith, who went by Sherrick as an artist, is I believe, and I'd love it if somebody could correct me because I would love to get down to the bottom of this. So put that out there for the universe, for your audience. You right. Know, let me know if I'm wrong. Tell me, Sherrick. Yeah. Um, you're kind of like, you know, an expert in these things. I feel like you've put in enough hours to <laughs> probably be the one that we would ask, you know, if we were going to have a question about this. But I, somebody has to know. Somebody has to be connected. And, uh, right. and to it's your just point. It's one of those things, though. Like, some things just don't have, like, answers out there. Like, they're not clear. You know? And it's just one of those things. It's like, there's a bit of a mystery. Which No, is but... but I, I do feel that that way sort of about this whole soundtrack because right. you've got Barry Gordy's, you know, name over the whole thing. But then you've got like, you know, like, like you said, Carrie Gordy, who preferred to go by Carrie Ashby, yeah. wrote this uh, or did, you know, or, or whatever, at least wrote it or produced it or maybe not or whatever. But like, yeah, and we'll the, get to the, some other ones. Right, later right, on too. right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Go on. <laughs> How about Star by Alfie? Justin, your thoughts on Star by Alfie? Um, Star by Alfie, it's one of those songs that, you know, when I think of the soundtrack, I don't think of this song. So Same. probably would probably would pass. Greg? I actually love this song. Okay. <laughs> it's, okay. it's so happy. It's so cool. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, people, if you hear this, it's one of those songs you would never know. But if you listen to it and then you remember where it is in the movie and stuff, it's like, yeah, that's kind of nice. 
it's when Leroy and his brother like are sne- trying to sneak into the um into Seventh Heaven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fire by Charlene. You Fire by Charlene. Craig, your thoughts on Fire by Charlene? Drop it. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Not <Nothing>? Fire. <laughs> uh, I Not like fire. it. I like it because it's a little bit of a pivot from the rest of the stuff. It is. It has more of like a... Um, it's like a Bonnie Tyler or something. It's like Exactly. A, yeah. It's exactly who I was I thinking thought that of. Was Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> Me yeah. too. Me too. Uh, okay. We get to... We, now we're at The Glow by Willie Hutch. In. Yeah, I mean the glow, of course, of course. You, you, you know, the glow could be number one. Um, I agree. When you got the glow, you see it on his face. It's like it's such a it's such a fun uh, another long one, uh, and the glow is very literal in terms of the glow. I mean, uh, right. but it kind of ties in that uh, what what Leroy is aspiring to. Uh, with Bruce Lee, um, all the masters know when you need to know. Um, yeah, <laughs> when you reach that upper level, the mind, body, and soul must be one. It's great. It's great. It just kind of encapsulates the whole movie. It does. Craig, how about you? Yeah, you got to keep the glow. You just have to. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to have many drops here, I think. No. <laughs> no, but 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 I uh, so far I'm pretty much on the same page with you guys. Uh okay, now we get to we get to the western side. That was the eastern side of the album. Western side, Rhythm of the Night by not El Debarge, but Debarge. Iconic. I mean, Craig, your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this song, this is the one song that crosses over that people know that have, don't know anything about this movie and they know this song. When and they, they hear the song, they know the song. This is this was a big tune back in the day, and it continues to be a big 80s tune. Even when people don't think of an 80s song to play, whenever I play this somewhere, oh yeah, that's a nice one. So yeah, that's gotta stay. Dustin. Yeah, I mean, of course. And and you know, DeBarge is like 
I don't know where this song fit on the Billboard 100, but it was up there, and it was it, it was, was very connected to this movie. I think it made it to number three, number I mean, three or number four. It was yeah. it was like the song of the summer, you know. I remember of '85, and like you, yeah, like this was probably my number one in '85. You know, like 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 little little child Dustin was like, yeah, rhythm of the night, of course. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question then, for both of you. But I'll start with you, Dustin. Would you take this song over All Night Long by Lionel Richie? I would, because this one, this one just starts at high energy. Whereas like All Night Long is like, well, my friends, the time is, you're like, let's get to the chorus, man. <laughs> That's let's Lionel. Get to the That's chorus. Lionel. That's let's typical get to the Lionel. Cor- all right. All night long. All right. All night. Okay, great. Now we're here. And then he brings it back down. He like reels you back in. Craig, how about you? Oh yeah, well, I'm biased, man. But this song, yeah, you got it. Well, it's fair. Yeah, it's a, I agree. But it's with you such guys. a feel-good song. Like, when I play this for my friends that don't know the movie, they love it. Like, my wife didn't really know the Last Dragon too much, but she knew this song, you know, and loves the song, and she loves the barge and the barge. So that's part of it. But uh, this is a big reason for it. Yeah, you put this song on at any party, people will immediately start dancing. Yeah, my kids love this song too. Same, same. My son loves it. He loves this song. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's a uh, quick, quick oh. question. Craig, does your, does your wife love the movie now? She, or she's just like, right. Or is she just like, this is Craig's thing. I'm so tired yeah. of this. Like he's just last dragon guy. Yeah, she's pretty much just fed up. With it. Yeah. 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 Okay. She, she, uh, she supports me. <laughs> right. All right. My endeavors. And I got to give her that. So I'm not forcing her to watch. I used to make every girlfriend I ever make met watch it. And then when uh-huh. I met her, I knew she was my wife. I'm like, this one, I'm not going to force her to watch. Not going to force her. I, mean, I knew she was different because I'm like, okay. <laughs> but has she seen it? She's seen it. Yeah, you know what? I don't think she's actually watched it from start to finish, believe it or Interesting. not. Interesting. Just enough for context. Yeah. But she's seen it so many times because it's always playing. And like, you know, we do, we've done like live, like Twitter, I don't know what you call it, like live tweeting the movie so it's playing and I'm tweeting, so it's always oh, nice <laughs> I'm doing all sorts of things like she's watched it we did a full cast virtual watch that's actually oh, cool we watched the whole thing but oh, okay. it was people talking over it the whole time that was okay during the 2020 and that was really cool my wife fell asleep when we watched the warriors for the first time so and I didn't help obviously didn't hold that against her so right yeah I'm, I've, I've gone Crazy. past the point where trying to make people like what you love like you just you force it and they won't like it. So you yeah. just got to let it happen. That is, that yeah. is the That's a that slogan is, on above Zach's bathroom. I, I yeah, love yeah. what you love. It's, you know, dig what you dig. I love that line that Luis Guzman gives Don Cheadle in Boogie Nights. Where would you dig? You know, if you like it, you like it. If you want to be cowboy, be cowboy. Um, okay, this, this could be a little bit of a controversial one. Upset Stomach by Stevie Wonder. Craig. Oh man. So, okay. How's this going to go? Like, do we get down to the end and then can cut? Because like, I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. You just say what you like, what you don't. You love it. (laughs) Okay. How about you, Dustin? Do you love it? Yeah. And in fact, I feel like this song doesn't get enough love. I uh, agree. I totally agree. It gets, you know, like a couple of verses or whatever, like in the movie, 
but it's not even like, oh, this is Stevie Wonder. Like it it's took, Stevie Wonder. It's right. Stevie exactly. Wonder, you know? And I feel like I learned that it was Stevie Wonder like much at, later after the fact. And I was like, oh, this this song should... Where's this? Where's the push for this? I... Okay, so let's just jump to First Time on a Ferris Wheel. Dustin, your thoughts? First Time on a Ferris Wheel by Smokey Robinson and Cyrita. Like my first time on a Ferris wheel. The view from up here is so clear and real. The sense of falling fast is all. I thought you were going to say more about Stevie Wonder. It seemed like you swallowed a thought. No, no. I think it, it kind of ties into this song because what do you think about this song? Oh, you know, I don't I don't care for this. I, I What it is is like what Craig was saying where it's like Shonuff has his little music cues and, you know, Vanity has her music cues and we have this the kind of the slow... The, the stuff that just brings it down, you know, because it's like, right. this is love. And you're like, all right, I get it. But like, no, I, I don't I don't need it. I don't need it. I would pass it. Craig? I disagree because this is the <laughs> this is the love theme of the movie. This is how the movie ends. This is when Vanity and I don't, get together yes. and it's slow motion. And I totally get that. Go up into the clouds together. Come on. <laughs> I think I think it's a missed opportunity the way this movie ends. And because I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I feel like you could have that cue for a minute for a second they see each other everyone's in white it's all blown out vaseline on the lens whatever but you don't need that into the credits i want to ride the credits into something else my and, take oh yeah yeah no and and it's just that not to cut you off but it's no. just that they then they abruptly stop that song like when the credits have rolled for like two minutes and then they go uh inside you. yes then they go inside you like, you're like whoa what yeah. the hell yeah. I, that yeah that's my one note about the movie, I think. I agree. No, I, I agree. I, I mean, if I would have liked to seen that love, that love sequence, but then have it go into rhythm of the night with everybody on the dance floor partying. It's all happy ending that I would have liked to have seen that. You know, I think the public agreed with you because I think this song and Seventh Heaven both won Razzie Awards. <laughs> oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Interesting. Smokey Robinson released an album in 2023 called Gasms, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, I, I sent that to you, right? No, that's why I brought I'm bringing oh, up yeah. to Craig. So. Craig, have you heard Gasms? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Make yourself a note. How 83-year-old Smokey Robinson is talking about Gasms. Gasms. Right. And it's real bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peeping Tom by Rockwell. Um, Dustin, what thoughts on Peeping Tom by Rockwell? Well, so this is another one of those things that fascinates me, right? Because Rockwell, Barry Gordy's son, and nepotism, whatever. It was like, I don't want to have my name on 
I, I want to be Rockwell, this fake British, whatever, whatever he's doing with uh, somebody's watching me. Somebody's always watching me. Um, yep, somebody's watching me. But uh, this is another one of those songs that's just kind of like it's it's there, right? It's it's not the one you think of first. Uh, it's a fine. I would. I, it's I, fine. I, yeah, I wouldn't boot it. I would just kind of keep it there in the middle. Okay. Okay, Craig. How about you? Yeah. Again, I like. I like. It. It's got a weird. What, what was with him? Me and too. Like creepy titles though, like Peeping Tom. Right. Somebody's watching somebody's me. Somebody's watching me. And they need another one. Something like uh, Dirty Calls or something. Like they were all <laughs> weird. Yeah. Upskirts. It's just like, what's going on, Rockwell? Yeah. Yeah. Like, on my shoe. The what's name of the song doesn't even suit where it is. And like, I think this played. No. I'm drawing a bit of a blank. I think this played when. Um, when he the second time he went to visit some dumb boy and he they're playing hopscotch and stuff. He, he, yes, that's what that right. yes that's what was playing in the background. Um, yeah, and like, I, I, I think it has a nice little tune to it. I like it. <laughs> I like it too. I actually think it's a it's a decent song, and it got me kind of interested in listening to more of Rockwell's music. To be honest with you, I was like, oh, I want to check out more of his stuff besides somebody's watching me because and you know how'd that go. Um, working on it. Oh, you mean too like present, present tense? Yeah, presently. Okay, too, it got too busy. it got you. The, the watching got you to think about that. Now you're gonna now you're gonna do it later. Yeah, I'm gonna do Listen a little deep Rockwell. dive into Rockwell now. Yeah, I mean these guys can sing, but like, yeah, who knows? Who knows what you're gonna get? Last one on the soundtrack is uh, on the physical soundtrack is "Inside You" by Willie Hutch with the Temptations. The Temptations, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to say this is probably my third favorite song on the soundtrack. Craig, how about you? What's your thoughts on Inside yeah. You by Willie Hutch and the Temptations? This is in my top, yeah, top two or three. I like this it because I really like the lyrics. The same. Like, you know, it's it's the movie. Like, it's, it's, the words are inspiring. Like, this is like, this is the one that's on the workout tape. And Agreed. it's just, you know, you reach deep inside when you need it and, you know, light your darkest hour. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Dustin, how about you? Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned light your darkest hour because this movie has that, has that moment that is very similar to uh, Transformers, to the Matrix. You know, I've yeah. referenced this right where Leroy's the master the whole time, but yeah. it takes that moment where they flash back to all his, the, the, you know, he's putting the pieces together in real time. We've known it all along as the audience, but who's the master? I am the glow. That's oh. it's the same thing as light, light my darkest hour. It's the same. So you know, good. It's the same. Uh, it, it's it's that that realization of, like of innate power of yeah. this is like this is like 
the Motown version of a Stan Bush song in the movie, right? Like this, that's it. Absolutely. You got it is. nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. And I love, I love Transformers the movie, the, the animated 1986. It's inc- and it's very similar to this. And like I always say to people, this story can be like you said, the Matrix. You can tell this story a hundred different ways, the same theme, that hero's journey, and I'll love it every time. Yep. If right. you do it well, of course. If you, you do it well. well. Right. Totally agree. Such a great template. We're gonna cover Transformers the movie, um, for sure on our show. We we had we had um for anyone interested, we had Vince DeCola on and he talked extensively. We've had him on twice, but he talked extensively about that specific soundtrack that he did for Transformers the movie and how he's come to really love that one because we had him on in our first season and he was lukewarm on the feeling. Really? Uh and, and, and in the past years since he's actually warmed up to it quite a bit. It's, it reminds so. me a lot of this. Like it's got music throughout people right. may not take it seriously but then when you actually give it a chance you're like this is actually really good and and i bet right. you he feels like that he's like oh it's a cartoon kids movie like he's right. not proud of it but you take a step back just look at what it is it's a it's a fun film it's great uplifting is great in that movie yeah music is fantastic yeah. uplifting and empowering it's, it's got all yeah yeah no, it's it's not that he's not proud of it exactly, but it's that he couldn't relate to the. Me, he just yeah. didn't right. He didn't know he didn't know who Optimus Prime was, and I think his his writing partner at one point called him Optimus Buttfucker, and we were like, <laughs> yeah, like no, yes. no, it's and true. Because like, well, you know, that's what it. You Kenny know, Meredith it, in the interview says that. Yep. You know what's funny? You you mentioned uh, Dirk Diggler, and in Dirk yes. Diggler, he sings a song. Right? He sings "I, I Touch." Yeah, he does. Like, and, that movie. Dirk Diggler, because it had Bruce Lee. Remember, he was doing all the Bruce Lee stuff, and it had... Right. Yes. I'm like, this is my movie. I love yeah. it. <laughs> we may, Dustin, we, we may have to talk do Boogie Nights at some point, because uh, we may just have to... Just do Boogie Nights for... Just do Boogie just for fun. Just jump on over there. Because I love yeah. it so much. Um, okay. As we wrap up, I just got three f- quick facts. So, and I have to say these, because... All of these facts are from March of 1985. This movie came out in March of 1985. Typically, Craig, when we bring up fun facts from on the episode, it's the month that we're recording in it or the month that it drops, right? Well, The Last Dragon came out in March of 85, and these are fun. Three facts from March of 1985. First one, Moonlighting premiered March 3rd, 1985. Someone One of the greatest theme songs of all time, perhaps for a television show. Maybe I just rewatched the pilot, or maybe the first four episodes because um, it, it was suddenly available on Hulu, the full library again. And I was like, oh, oh. cool. Uh, but it's funny to revisit that show, and not that I really watched it that much as a kid, but that show 
you know, it's knowing that those two actually, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis is amazing. Uh, but knowing that those two hated each other. Oh, yeah. Um, hated each other. It gives you an entirely new perspective uh, <laughs> on it. And of course, you know, Bruce Willis was like, I love those actors that are like, they're known for this one thing that gets them kind of into the the orbit of other opportunities. And then they're like, I don't like comedy. I don't like goofiness. I don't like, you know, you're like, well, that's why you're here. And also you're good at it. So sing the theme song for me. I don't remember. Some fly by night. <laughs> um, and it's not, it's not it's not in the pilot that song. It's not. No, it didn't it didn't <gasps> play to start and I was like, where's this where's the song? Wow, that's a that, wow. Okay. Yeah, I love that theme song. Um March 6 of 1985, Mike Tyson had his first professional fight. He knocked out Hector Mercedes at one at one minute and forty seven seconds in the first round. 1985 guys isn't that a trip yeah that's crazy I, I thought i was like 85 that was his first professional fight does that seem late to you or it seems le- early to me early I feel feel okay. like he was yeah it feels early to me but didn't but then, mike tyson's punch out come out like the next year i guess it did yeah 86 or 87? i don't even know i don't even know when mike tyson's punching i feel like i should know but i feel like it was 87 perhaps because legend of zelda came out before that anyways Last fun fact from March of 1985, March 27th, professional wrestler Hulk Hogan put Richard Belzer in a wrestling hold. Professional wrestler Hulk Hogan acquiesces to put interviewer Richard Belzer in a hold, resulting in Belzer passing out, hitting his head on the floor and requiring nine stitches. Uh, We had a very ugly incident here last week on the show. Um, Hulk Hogan and Ms. T were here, and um, uh, Hulk Hogan did a demonstration, and he he hurt me real bad. I split my head open, and I was knocked unconscious and so on. So um, just to show that I'm not a part of their promotional tool, and this was real, I want you to take a look at this clip. And keep in mind, this was real. Take a look at it, and remember, I had no idea what was about to happen. And I'll be right back. Now, the first thing you need to know about amateur wrestling yes. or professional wrestling or submission holds, you just tell me, brother, when you want him to put squeal in, okay? All right. It's called a front chin lock. How about it, T? Keep him like that for a little while. Because he's all right. He's just sleeping. He's sleeping. Really, that's, I, was, I was asleep a hole. He'll be all right. He's waking up now. That was a serious right, hole. A lot of people... See, it works. All right, brother. And now, we'll be right back after this word from you know who. We'll be right back. Okay, I had no idea. When I said, when I got up and said, we'll be right back, I had no idea where I was. I was in shock. And just, I know I'm bringing, doing this a little bit, maybe going too far, but can we get a close-up of these stitches? Because I saw Bill Cosby today, and he thought it was a hoax. And if he thought, can we read that? Is that... Can you see that? Can you see those stitches? I'm sorry to do that to you. I, I, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to uh, to show you. And this is not the first incident between a professional wrestler and a television interviewer. Belzer sues Hogan for $5 million in damages for personal injury. They settle out of court. Belzer buys a home in France. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was a real thing that happened, right? It was a late night talk show. And he was kind of joking with Hogan. And he made uh, Belzer pass out. Hulk Hogan's his own 
bag of balls, <laughs> bag of rocks. Mm. Yeah, he's a huge man. Yeah, he's a huge man. I saw him in the airport when I was a kid, Hulk Hogan, and I could not believe how big he was. Crazy. He's massive. He's massive. Uh, Richard Belzer was was. Is this all on video? This like, is on you, video. You can you watch can go, him pass out. Yeah. Uh, for, I'll put the link in our show notes. Okay, you great. Can, you can watch that clip for all your enjoyment. Um, but guys, we did it. We talked about your one of your favorite movies of all time, Dustin Craig. Your all time favorite movie. Yeah. Um, it rekindled my love for this movie, Craig. Thank you for being on our show. Is there anything you want to plug? Talk about? Yeah. Well, I want to tell you that, like exciting there's future for the last dragon so there's exciting things happening so the writer Luis Venosta has written an epic story and i've read the first volume of it and it's really really good it's he's and he's done it in a way that you know captures the essence of the past but moves it into the future like it tells prequels like stuff that happened during the movie and stuff that happened after the movie and it could be the first thought is to do a graphic novel to get this canon established mm-hmm. and build off of that. Um, so that there's a website um, should be live any day now. It's thunderverse.co. So um, you got to check that out. And I'm talking about it all the time on my Instagram. All the stuff I talk about is on my Instagram. So, uh, but that's really exciting. And I'm talking to them like on a daily basis about it. And uh, it's a childhood dream to like, to be a part of that. Like, you know, he asked my opinion on things and it's just, it's just crazy. It's unbelievable. It's a lot of fun. The, it, the, the twist on it is that he's made it where this, the events of the last dragon were real and the real life Richie wrote it, wrote this, wrote the script, took the events and wrote it into a movie and Barry Gordy took it and made a movie of these real events. Awesome. So, this world is like this, the real world. So what really happened? Got it. It's kind of like this mind twist. Like it's pretty cool because the characters are all based on people that he knew in real life. So it's like all character, all people that Lewis knew in real life. Yeah. Like he based all the characters on real people. So like the movie is like his bearing his soul and has to do with everything has in it has something to do with a part of his life. Kind of thing. Amazing. Yeah. So Amazing. it's a continuation of that and, and prequel to that. And a pre, yeah. And, and we will absolutely, uh, we'll put the links to that in our show notes as well. I'm so happy to know that this movie is getting not a resurgence. Cause I feel like it's always been around and people are always talking about it, but it's just getting a little bit more discussion. Yeah. Hopefully like, I mean, it just gets like a franchise it deserves, you know, or just, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like what they did with karate kid, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be like that, but it's, it was fun. Like it was fun to see the karate kid dive into and go back and go forward. And you know, that's great. You can do right. that with more things in a, in a respectful way. That's not like, you know, just remaking right. something old and, you know, ruining it. So, Bastardizing like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you've got the real people who came up with the idea in the first place involved, it can work when you get, when you give it to somebody new, well, maybe not. Right. So I don't know. Right. It's, it's an age old discussion, right. About, you know, going back on these things, whether you should do it or not. But uh, it's all about how you do it. And it's all comes from a guy in college making a website for his favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. And here we are. 
(laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Craig, thanks so much for joining us. And it was sincerely a pleasure to have an expert on the last dragon to talk about the and and now you're a part of our two dollar late fee family man finally we made it happen yeah thanks so much man that's a lot of fun like talking 80s is always a good time especially when it's the last dragon <laughs> right well maybe we'll have you back on to talk about transformers the movie hunter oh yeah i love it love or boogie boogie nights uh <laughs> no, it's been great having you thank you for your time anytime guys thank you so much thank you zach thanks dusty Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFee Podcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.